So we were we were talking earlier about how on the stage sometimes you feel like you're the mother in the room, and I was wondering if though any I don't know if you guys are mothers and if you are how those experiences of motherhood translate onto the stage and if you use them at all. Oh, Pam does well. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my whole thing. Really, is is about my family. Um, my, my, I've got two sons, and they're they're fantastic and w- wonderful support for me. And they come to lots and lots of gigs and give me lots and lots of feedback. But most importantly, they give me lots and lots of material, <laughs> and I I use that material all the time. And um, it's a it's a very affectionate way of of being honest because I think uh, they're they're obviously uh, boys and I think um, bringing up males is very important and I think you know looking at how how they respond to things and their and their challenges and weaknesses and fears and and hopes and dreams and it's it's great and and I want to kind of sort of nurture that and put it out there in a in a nice way. But it's not. It, it can be a little bit, as I say, not necessarily family friendly, but it's definitely family centred. That's for sure. Could you expand a little bit more on that in terms of? Do you? I'm assuming you say some potentially quite embarrassing material. Well, they're <laughs> incredibly proud of it. So oh. they, I don't know. They don't necessarily think it's embarrassing. You're kidding. No, they don't. Oh, that's unbelievable. You've got to see her act. Really? <laughs> can, you, can you give oh, us a flavour of what is the most potentially least family-friendly thing that you've said about your sons? Well, but it's true. The point is it's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the thing. It's, it's things are true. Mm. Now, when one of them was in his... I don't know, I can't remember now, but probably about 16, I mean, he drew cock and balls and Everything. Everything. No matter what, where I looked, at, you, know, you know, any bit of paper, you name it, there was all, and and he, put, and then I realised he doesn't do it anymore because he's grown up, and I was incredibly sad. So I wrote a poem. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, they grow out of it, and you think, oh, and you look back on that stage, and I wrote a poem about it called Cock and Balls, and uh, yeah. Wow. Because we have this, well, he he built this six foot snow penis in the garden out of out of six foot. Uh, yeah, that it was fantastic. It's brilliant. <laughs> but the one thing they didn't, my my husband really didn't like, is he got one, one of these Karsha pressure washers, and he pressure washed a, a penis in the front driveway, <laughs> and that was not easy to I get think out. That's brave. I think that's brave. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, but you can't really rhyme much with Karsher, so that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just things like that, you know. But you know what? It's funny because I haven't ever thought about it, but I can remember being at school mm. and boys just drawing willies. All the time. On everything. Absolutely. And I don't know why that is. They do. In fact, I'll show you my phone. I've got a screensaver and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's what they do. But it's like funny. Someone would, I'd be like writing something in class. Someone would just pull the paper over to them. Giant willy, done. Like what, what? And really funny. Well, my first job was a school teacher, and uh, in those days, this is a long time ago. We had the um, the, the blackboards. You remember? You remember? Yeah, the yeah. And you pulled them down. Yeah. Now you could. You always. You had to be very careful because you. If you ever left anybody in the classroom, you know, after you, what the, if it was a boy, they would draw cock and balls on the board, hide the blackboard, and then for the next teacher coming in, she'd pull the board down and there's a big cock and balls. I really admire that foresight. I think yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> and that's what you do. Wow. And that's boys. And that's boys. Entrepreneurial. Um, how about Charmian and 
Pauline, do you um, I've got two children and I had them quite late in life. So I'd already started doing comedy, been doing it for quite a long time uh, when I had them. So I was doing comedy when they were quite small and I felt very restricted, uh, not in a horrible way, but I felt I had to really pull back in a way. from I didn't want to do any long journeys, um, be on the road and stuff like that. Maybe I got very paranoid and anxious about it, you know, by leaving them and what could happen. Um, I had a very different act before I had children. I had, I mean, I was in my 20s, early 30s. I had much more of a, a what I call, you know, like a knob joke act. And then I had the Nobs children. Knobs are everywhere. Yeah, they were yes. everywhere. <laughs> but everywhere. I saw my son, I've never found my cock and balls drawn by my son. I'm really worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not a creative person. Uh, I think it's one out of the two who did that. <laughs> um, so then when they were small, I, I kind of, I had a lot of comparing because it was more... I, otherwise, I couldn't even remember my own name by the time I walked on stage half the time, you know, having been with them all day and then going, um, you know, often going on stage was the first time I'd been on my own all day as I mounted those steps. But after I had them, I my act kind of became more in touch with what I was feeling, grew up with me. They've hardly ever seen me perform my children. My, my daughter helped me in Edinburgh this year. Um, but before that, and my son saw me on stage at a festival when he was about eight and he just came up ashen faced afterwards and he said mommy you swore yeah <laughs> you swore um but he's not really like that <laughs> now he's not like that so um they i don't really talk about i don't really talk about them on stage at all actually it's that bad no, bad no. i guess just it occupies a different um, space in your life i, mean, I feel like i've talk talked about... to them all day <laughs> You're like done. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Pauline? So my, I've got um, an older daughter who's in her twenties, and I've got twin boys who are fourteen. Mm. And I, um, I do put a lot of the funny stuff they say on Facebook um, to to see how that and that goes down really well. I've never sort of gone on stage and done that, um, or I've started a little bit recently, um, but very much. Very much with their consent, actually, because um, the stuff I say about my husband, when my husband is sort of that fictionalised my husband character on stage, but the stuff I talk about with him, he has always said, but he's said it as a joke, but, you know, it comes up as, you know, he's this terrible person and, and how, how, you know, how can he possibly still, I can, how can I still possibly be with him when I'm so fabulous like and your he's demon so dreadful? Character, yeah. yeah, but that's, that's great fun between us. But, um, and with them... Um, I don't. I feel it's disrespectful in some ways because it's not. They're not. If they're not consenting to it, so I very rarely talk about my daughter on stage. My daughter did come to see me when she was um, nineteen or twenty, and I suddenly realised she was downing a lot of vodka. <laughs> and then, but of course she was because she was about to see me do it. And what if I was dreadful and all the rest of it? The boys now. Either. Yeah, I now get, will you put that in your act? If, I, if they say something, And so I feel a little bit more. I, don't, I can't imagine writing an Edinburgh show about them. Oh, like, no. that's, that's, that's not, I don't think that's fair on them um, yet. No. Uh, exactly. <laughs> whereas, whereas, you know, Pam's, Pam's children are older and they're adults and they're sort of consenting to that. And that's, if, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just mother everyone else. Which is strange because I, I've really talked about my husband 
uh, on on stage because I think I would really have to get his permission. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and there's a minefield there I could write about. Mm. <laughs> but, um, I, I would really have to get his permission to do that. Whereas the boys were just they they just say you can have that, Mum. Bad auntie, auntie, I wanted to get your thoughts on menopause slash midlife crisis slash the myths therein and how how kind of useful you find those things and experiences in your comedy and how you if you whether or not you use them and or react to them or kind of yeah that the interplay there specifically you said earlier um that menopause is the gift that keeps on giving yeah. and i haven't heard many other women refer to it it's the comedy, it's the comedy <laughs> gift, yeah and um, i wrote um half an hour about menopause this year um for edinburgh and um to be fair, I'm not having a terrible time uh, with it, but it's but it has produced some funny things. And I'm so scatty and ditzy with menopause. I do really stupid things, and that's that's always funny to talk about afterwards. I think it's really, and I'm not the only person that talks about it, and that's wonderful. I went to see two or three other shows that that were about it in Edinburgh this um, last year in 2018, and I yeah, it's. It's again. It's just by being there and standing there, being middle-aged and talking about my menopause. That is political in itself. It's just look at me. I'm visible. Um, uh, I I have noticed men in the audience tense up when I start talking about it. I don't particularly talk about the physicality of it. Um, although if they tense up, I have been known to mention vaginal dryness, but that's just because <laughs> if they've gone tense, then then it's it's just too easy. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't tend to talk about the physicality of what happens but I don't I would never shy away from it it's that idea that you know women always talk about periods don't they yeah um of course they do yeah of course they do because it's the funniest most bonkers thing in the world that happens to us all the time and 51% of the audience is going to relate to that and find it because they're doing it I also laugh laugh my head off at at men's dick jokes and tinder material because if it's funny because it's it's funny funny. (laughs) it's about just like you were saying earlier Charmian it's about it's about connecting with people and making them laugh and you bring them into your world I'm, there's no point in me going out and doing Tinder material. I've been married for 25 years. Um, no one should know. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to ask you a bit about the actual comedy scene itself, because I know that um, people aren't all based in London, and if you find it's London-centric, and as well if you find there's a lot of intergenerational cooperation or not. I don't know if any of you want to pick up on any of those. I live in London, so um, I do... There are a lot of very small gigs in London, but there are many, many gigs outside London. So, um, Mm, I don't think it's particularly London-centric. I'm just getting to the point of travelling more. So, in in 2019, I'm going to be travelling more around the country, um, pretty much for the first time. I've did two or three gigs outside of London before, but I'm starting to get gigs elsewhere, and that's really nice. Um, So far, i found when I get out of London... especially in small towns the audiences tend to be older they tend to be out as couples and things rather than in the middle of London on a Tuesday Mm. night at open mic the audience is is you know young people in their 20s and 30s it's a completely different vibe so that's very much in my favor because I'll talk to people Mm. more like me um I don't know about London centric because I'm I'm a Londoner and I I perform in London I've Mm. there are more opportunities in London of course um and I've got a dear friend on the comedy circuit who had to move to London you know, just as she was turning professional, because that was the only way, and, and lived on on pennies and, and really struggled to make ends meet trying to do that, um, and felt she could only do that from London. Um, uh, what was the other second half of the question you said? 
Intergenerational cooperation. Oh, intergenerational. That's really interesting. I, I think just when I walk in, it's intergenerational. <laughs> I'll just tick that box for you. Yeah. Um, and what's really nice is I feel it's I feel it for me. It's very much my my USP. It is my thing that I'm I am a woman of my age. That's where that's my starting point. Just as just as lots of other comics will come on and be, you know, I'm a I, you know I'm not cisgendered or I'm I'm you know a young black woman or I'm queer or I'm this or I'm that. Um, and that's a, it's a hook to hang things on, which can be I know dangerous, especially in the longer term. But equally. Um, I, I hope that it will become more so, you know, when people are putting a diverse night together. So I put when I put nights together, I always make sure that they're diverse. Um, and I'm, I, I always ensure that there are older comics and younger comics, because just if you're putting a night together with lots of different voices, I want to hear lots of yeah. voices. Especially I want to hear age. gay voices. I want to hear non-white voices. I want to hear older voices and younger voices. And I don't want to hear eight young men talking about their dating lives. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. It's not, it's just not, it's not interesting. It's not a whole, it's not a whole rounded night. So... By virtue of that, it becomes. It's, you don't think of it as intergenerational. It's just, it's just diverse eclectic and varied. And diverse, and eclectic's yeah. a lovely word. Yeah. It's just, it's just a. There's a place in comedy for everyone, um, as audience and as performers. Brilliant. That's such a positive. That's lovely. <laughs> and what, yeah. what are your experiences? Because I, I know think starting out is hard when you don't live in London, um, because you have to really come into London. Um, travel to London, have the expense of coming into London um, for five minutes or whatever. And yes. that, 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 that is challenging. That is definitely challenging. But that's the way it is, I think. And until you get better and can move up the move up the ladder, that, that is the way it is. But it is, it's, it's expensive to come in. And I think what I've missed out is because I have to get the train back and make sure I get the last train back and all the rest of it, you, you can't... I've not been able to socialise that terribly well with, you know, at the end of a gig, have chats, that kind of thing. And I think I've missed out on that way. So it's been a little bit harder in that respect. Do you think that the stand-up network is too geared towards TV? Not with with people your age, but then also with younger comics. What do you think are, that people are seeking? Um, do you think that it's the live experience and it's purity or do you think they're looking to progress to TV? two you're talking about I, uh, I, some comics are looking to progress to tv i've certainly kind of realized i'm not going to get picked up by agents because agents are looking for people they can try and get onto tv because there's more money i suppose for agents in that so is that realization of if i'm going to do this and become professional at it or get more professional work out of it i'm going to have to find that myself i've also then discovered having realized i'm not going to get an agent oh I can actually get my own gigs. I can get my own live gigs. I can get mm. pro gigs, and that's fine. Um, uh, and be paid for it. Um, so I think it's it's a different. I mean, I, I started with with within the same week with a young woman who um, has gone on to is now on TV doing a lot of TV is doing brilliantly. She's fantastic. She's she is going down a different route completely to what I'm doing, even though we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same kinds of performances. We're in the same, some of the same kind of places. She's doing them in a lot better places. Um, she's just on her first Edinburgh hour. I'm thinking about doing that in the next couple of years. I'm going more slowly. She got better quicker. She's also better than me. I should, most important <laughs> thing to point out, she is phenomenal. Um, but it's just a different world that she's going into. She's in her 20s, I guess, um, she's doing it absolutely full time. She's going for it as a career. I'm doing it as part of a, a whole bunch of freelance things and a family and at a different time of life. So for me, it's not 
yes, television might be important to agents. It's not important to me. I've never wanted to get onto television. I wouldn't mind doing radio, please. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I never went into it to do television. Um, and so it's not a so it's not a conflict it's a for me. Yeah. What 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 about your thoughts on the TV um, live divide? I um, I feel the only reason I'd like to be on telly is to open the doors to more live work. You know, so yeah. you've got more gigs. Because that's the thing I really enjoy. And um, what you're saying about being on a different path, I feel um, it's, it's, it's a big creative expression for me. It's really, really important to me. I, I, the telly thing, is, it is another kind of career. Um, I do think there are people who take up stand-up comedy. Um, you know, that is their path. You do, then you get onto Live on the Apollo, then you get onto... Um, you know, panel shows, then a sitcom, and that's completely that is their path. In the old days, it might have been you know, being an actual presenter would take mm. you on that path. Um, that's not really my path, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wouldn't say no. By the way, <laughs> I think I think there are certain types of comics who, or or, or there's groups of comics, as as Pauline says, that you, you know that 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 is their trajectory, that is their aim, that is their ambition. It would be nice to see uh, a greater mix of of the representation of comics that we see on television, of of more funny older people, I think. Um, but the, that is hard in itself because I think a lot of the the clubs or the competitions or things that can give you a a step up, they're always looking for the next young successful mm -hmm. I don't know Jack Whitehall or whatever in fact that was what somebody said to me you know this the, what they're looking for is the next Jack Whitehall yeah. and with the best will in the world I can never do that impersonation you know <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to happen that would be amazing transformation that would be something interestingly though there are there are older people on those panel shows there are plenty of men in their 40s and 50s mm. and some women in their 40s and 50s fewer though um but they tend to but it's just for me it's starting at this age i'm not going to get that um you know shappy course andy does those things um uh you know god i can't think of names now rob bryden's on all of those things uh, uh Dennis, Hugh Dennis is on in, you know, they're all doing lots of those panel shows and things, but, but starting at my age, I'm not going to get picked up in three years and be on those as, as some, some new person who's suddenly there. You know, Cindy V is absolutely ripping through comedy mm. now, and I think mm. she's probably in her 40s, isn't she? Yeah, yeah she's um, in her 40s. Uh, you know, so, and it's not about her age. It's not, yeah. for her, the things that she talks about, she talks about her children, she talks about... Mm. Um, um, the things that she talks about and her mother and she's wonderful um so i think there is space for it but not but but sindhu v doesn't stand on the stage and start with this is my age and what, what my body's yeah. going through and that's what i'm doing yeah. and that's fine that's who i am where i am what i have to talk about right now that's not going to get you on television and that's okay you may not yeah. always be talking about that huh? no yeah. imagine that might just because <laughs> yeah. i think the thing is that once there's more you you know there is more visibility um, and you feel that the, that you may have your that might be the third thing you say in your set rather than the, I don't yeah. know if you do say it in the first thing and then it becomes then you will be that person. It's so funny how much visibility has come up this evening. I think it's a really yes. positive thing. Visibility taking up space, mm. being on on that stage space, and really feeling powerful with it. Yeah. Um, thank you so much thank for your you. time. Energy and mm -hmm. amazing insights. Oh. You did not disappoint. <laughs> what 
upcoming projects um, and nights have you guys got coming up? I'm doing three of the New Zealand fringes. It'll be the third year I've done it. New Zealand audiences are incredibly open to new experiences. They're really discerning audiences. They take everything very quite intensely and so they love they love they love us but actually there are quite a few British comics going over this year whereas it's usually just me mm-hmm. um so I think because I've been going on about how brilliant it is so I'm that's my main thing I'm doing and I've written a new show for it excellent how exciting what about you Pam oh I've just to be to be gigging an awful lot more this year and that's my big thing brilliant. and maybe maybe I will go up with uh another female comic and do a shared Edinburgh show but that's a maybe but we'll see we're hopefully getting there fantastic I did my first shared Edinburgh show with a brilliant female uh, last year uh, who then uh, immediately left the country Uh, it wasn't me Um, (laughs) and I don't feel quite ready for a solo show at Edinburgh yet so I'm going with another amazing female comic up to Edinburgh again this summer Um, and as I was saying I'm I'm doing some more travelling so I'm I'm going up to um, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester exciting, just really excited mostly I'm just I'm working on getting better Brilliant. So much to look forward to and so many opportunities for us to see you, which is the main yes, thing please. as well. Excellent. And, you know, the affirmation that you don't have to be Jack Whitehall. We want to say to anyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the debut Bad Aunts podcast. Oh, I love it when you say debut. And finish. <laughs> <laughs> Bad aunts, hee hee, bad aunts, hee hee.